song Looking for Freedom, which became the number one single on the West German charts for two straight months. Every week for two months. Yep. When he sang that song on the Sylvester Show, which was the German equivalent of Dick Clark's New Year's Rock and Eve. Well. <laughs> anyway, he sang that at the Brandenburg Gate on New Year's Eve 1989. It was a touchstone moment for the whole nation. A million people were there watching it live, and he kind of became a giant celebrity there, and it got tied into the whole wall coming down. Wall came down 30 years ago this weekend. Um. Never understood the appeal of David Hasselhoff. I mean, I get that moment politically. It doesn't mean you need to keep listening to his lame old pop music. It was of the moment. But how in every other thing, Germans, I mean, their, their, their cars, their music, their philosophy, their military might, just all these different things, they excel at. Their taste in pop music couldn't be suckier. How about 99 Luftballons? Yersh. Yersh. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's an ironic part of the remembering of that wonderful moment, Jack. Hmm. The David Hasselhoff TV's Night Rider seems to be the symbol of it. It's a little odd. It's a little distracting, frankly. But it was a wonderful moment in human history. Yeah, a big deal in human history. And then um, soon we'll be celebrating the anniversary of the Soviet Union collapsing. Then, right? Uh, so that's yes. coming up. They, uh, yeah. Was well, there some domino effect there? Oh, with, yeah, absolutely. They're all tied together. Uh, yeah, kind of in reverse. But um, if we had unlimited time and we're doing one of those four and a half hour podcasts that people do, we could, <laughs> we could talk about how difficult it continues to be to graft East and West Germany together. It was not effortless. It was not smooth. And it continues to be a serious problem. Um, a lot of it's cultural. I mean, if you have generations who grow up under communism, your expectations about everything are different, which brings us back to what is culture. Oh, it's the paintings and the food and the traditional dances. No, culture is everything. Culture is how we do things. Your relationship to the police, to the government, uh, to taxes, to your spouse, to your children. What are schools like? Um, just everything. That's culture. And grafting those two wildly different cultures, a free market economy and communism, where you are constantly at the mercy of, terrified by the government, it's a really hard thing. More on that to come, perhaps. Um, uh, and in a few minutes, we're going to talk to Lan Hee Chen. We really like him as a political pundit and really are going to strive to not have the same boring conversation that I'm hearing everywhere on talk radio and cable news about the politics of the day. Yeah. What do you think Michael Bloomberg's chances are? Ah, Lonnie is never boring. I've listened to a couple of those conversations, and they've made me want to uh, jam uh, nails into my eardrums. No, don't do that. I'm not going to handicap the Jeff Sessions run. I'm not even going to. I won't dignify that with a remark. (laughs) Got a statistician who looked at uh, NBA players and how they do in relation to certain strip clubs. Uh, How they do at their jobs? Oh, okay. At their jobs, on the court. When they are in certain towns with certain strip clubs. Basically does, what this guy did. Does the city's average strip club rating have a correlation to an NBA player's performance when he's visiting that city? This guy figured out like Google ratings and that sort of stuff for strip clubs. Mm. And figured out which towns have the, the top rated strip clubs in the country. And then looked at top players, particularly one James Harden. One of the best players in the NBA. Ah, the beard. To make his point mm. and to see how he did. And to sum it up, he said, I have proven to a st- to a statistical significant degree 
that James Harden's game performance declines in cities with higher rated strip clubs. Wow. And he's got charts and arrows and numbers to three decimal points to make the point. Is this guy a gifted statistician or does he just like bear hoot? Uh, it seems like he did it all from his work computer. I don't think okay. he was actually going to strip clubs. Or okay. Sort of thing. All right. Fair enough. Uh, it's not hard to believe it all. No. Mm. Is uh, Harden known to have a proclivity for uh, for the girls of the uh, poll? Oh, he, he <laughs> dated a Kardashian for for more than a season. Enough said. Yeah. <laughs> the girls of the poll. Sure. Well, exotic dance, Jack, is uh, a, a cherished uh, part of American Speaking culture. Of culture, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> it's it's really in a way it's our clog dancing, our kabuki theater. Half-naked or naked women who had no father or their father flaked, showing their breasts for tips. It's a great part of Americana. Have they done this in regular businesses? Not not strip clubs, but just the party atmosphere in general. I wonder if businesses realize that when we've got, uh, we're staying overnight in New Orleans, probably going to get less productivity out of our crew at the, at the, the meeting the next morning right. than when we stay the night in Des Moines. Yeah. Yeah. A whole lot of business conferences seem to take place in Las Vegas, from what I can tell. Yeah. Yeah, well, there are yeah, a lot I... of hotel rooms there, Sean. <laughs> uh, convention center is absolutely state-of-the-art. Mm. It is, actually. But, um, yeah. Now, as a real drinker, I was, I'm was i going to perform the same in, in Des Moines as I would in New Orleans or right. anywhere else. So right. This, You're not going to change my behavior. That sort of thing only affects the amateurs, exactly. the, par- the part-timers. Exactly. Your attitudes geographically are similar to, for instance, New Year's Eve. Bunch of amateurs. Yeah, please. <laughs> oh, yeah, because I guess I'm in Des Moines. I'll just go to bed early. No. No. I don't care if I have to distill my own. We're getting wasted. <laughs> yeah, There's a well, convenience store right over there, and they sell Coors Light like they do in any other city. <laughs> now, the, uh, uh, the regular season in the NBA is such a joke anyway. Oh, my God. Ponderous, man. Ponderous. I, I just don't know that I can work up a, a give-a-damn. Oh, I don't care. I just thought I, it was I think it's extremely amusing. Well, if you look at his paperwork, it's the, the way he details it is pretty funny. Yeah. It's become a viral hit. Yeah. Wow. Well, yeah. Okay, I can picture that. Kobe Bryant, one of the great players in the history of the sport, he famously he stayed in. All of the crew went out, and he was a stay-in-the-room Maybe attack the girl who brings you the cheeseburger, oh, depending boy, on what allegedly. story you believe. But yeah, yeah. Uh, that aside, but, well, yeah. He uh, honestly, let's analyze this now. Let's let's not be uh, judgmental. Let's not be uh, you know Puritans about this. Although you know, it's funny. I, the point I haven't even made yet. James Harden disproves. But Kobe had real greatness within his grasp. If I'm in that thirty percent, forty percent of NBA players, who's pretty solid on the roster. But I'm never going to be in the Hall of Fame and the rest of it. I'm probably going out with the fellas. Yeah, I'm not a strip club guy, but the chance that I'm going out and and, and my performance is going to suffer goes up when I'm in Miami versus when I'm in Milwaukee, probably. Sure. Probably. Sure. But again, I'm a serious drinker. so I'm a beer and brat guy myself, so look out, Milwaukee. Sorry, I didn't get bound. I ate a lot of brawlers. <laughs> I, uh, I got some strange rumblings within, Coach. <laughs> I can't get my feet off the court for nothing. Um, Lon Hee Chen next to talk a little politics, and we're going to make it interesting on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty.
The Armstrong and Getty Show. The most interesting thing came across our desk this week was the Monmouth poll that had 56% of people saying they think Trump will be reelected, which obviously has to include a whole bunch of people who hate Trump, and 90% of people saying they're going to vote, which would be an unheard of turnout, like by practically double. Right. Yeah. Well, that would be astonishing. How seriously should we take that number? We could start there with Lon He Chen, David and Diane Steffi Research Fellow at the Hoover Institution, Director of Domestic Policy Studies at Stanford University and host of the podcast Crossing Lines with Lon He Chen. Lon He, how are you? I'm doing fine, guys. Talk about a useless poll question. I mean, okay. useless set of poll questions. Completely useless. Okay, explain. First of all, well, you know, first of all, when you ask someone you're going to vote, it's like asking someone, hey, do you brush your teeth? Or, hey, how many, you know, drinks do you have a week? People people tend to tell people, to tell pollsters what they want to hear. And so, you know, yes, is it going to be a high turnout election? Sure. Are 90% of people going to vote? No. Um, so, you Would know, that, you expect a record breaker, then, though? Uh, with Obama, it was 59 um, and a half, I think. Yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be high. I think I, whether it's going to, going to exceed that or match that, I think it's going to be high. But but the notion that it'll reach 90% is, you know, I mean, that's just ridiculous. Oh, no, then, our, our question the, was more like, if you hear 90%, what does that translate to? Yeah, does it end up being 70? Yeah, we're not stupid, no, Lon Hay. No, I think it's probably, I, th- I think it's probably somewhere, I mean, high high 50s, maybe we hit 60 uh, but I don't. I uh, look. I think if you went back and looked at that, it'd be interesting to see. I haven't looked at Quinnipiac's uh, historical numbers, but I think if you went back and looked at that number ahead of the 2016 election, it probably would have been pretty high as well. But okay. I, I don't know. I haven't seen it. So the, the other point is this Trump being reelected question, and you guys hit the nail on the head. The, the, the percentage of people who respond that Trump will get reelected is, yes, folks who like Donald Trump, obviously, but also some relatively significant percentage of people who are the who are the pessimists amongst the Trump haters who say, oh, it doesn't matter. You know, people underestimated Trump last time. He's going to win this time. So, you know, what what percentage of people that is, it, it, you know, that's up for debate. But I'll tell you that that 56 percent number reflects significant numbers of people who are who are not Trump supporters. That's for sure. So uh, is there any point in any discussion of Michael Bloomberg threatening to get in the race, or is it just a wait-and-see thing? Uh, I, I think it is a reflection of how poorly a lot of the Democratic establishment views their alternatives at this point. That that you have people going to Michael Bloomberg and saying, hey, you know, you probably got to consider this, that he's even considering it. You know, Bloomberg's not a dumb guy. He's a data guy, and he'll look at all this, and he sees a market opportunity for a candidate like him to come in. It's a huge indictment of Joe Biden, above all else. I mean, let's not, let's not mistake that. So in that sense, it's worth thinking about. But whether Bloomberg will be viable or not in a primary, I mean – I, I, I think it's pretty clear he's going to have a very difficult time getting through the primary. The point is, people are disappointed with their options, and there's a very real sense amongst Democrats that if someone else doesn't come in, um, you know, Biden's Biden's not going to make it. I think that's the bottom line. Wow, the the combination of um, him seeing Biden is weak, and then man, the, everybody coming after Elizabeth Warren on her health care plan, and and a lot of people on the left that the op-ed piece in. Uh, 
New York Times from Steve Ratner saying if you want to live in yeah. France, vote for Elizabeth Warren. I mean, that's from a lifetime Democrat. Yeah. Well, th- these are, again, I think if you look at the establishment Democratic Party, so Steve Ratner had that piece, Larry Summers, the former um, president of Harvard and Treasury Secretary, longtime Democrat, you know, he wrote a, a piece in the Washington Post that just eviscerated Warren's Medicare for All plan. There is an alarm bell that's being rung amongst establishment Democrats about Elizabeth Warren. And it's so funny because you, know, you guys understand this because you, you, you're, you've got some astuteness about this. Elizabeth Warren has always been the person who had an opportunity to make a move in this race. And the fact that they're not seeing it till now, to me, is just mind-boggling. She is someone who speaks directly to that progressive base. People actually buy her populist shtick, even though she's a Harvard professor. Uh, they actually buy this notion that she's for the people. And now she's gaining traction, and the establishment Democrats are freaked out about it. Your phone is cutting out a little bit. Luckily, it didn't cut out when you said we were astute. Luckily, yeah. we got that I good told and clear. you we weren't dumb. <laughs> Lon Hee Chen is on the line of the Hoover Institution it. and, uh, and uh, Stanford. So, listen, Lon Hee, I'm a big baseball fan, and the season is mind-bogglingly long, and uh, teams can have a terrible April, but they're not really worried about it yet. The Iowa caucuses are about to start, and quickly we get New Hampshire and, and then South Carolina Super Tuesday, yeah. the rest of it. How late in the baseball season is it for these candidates? Those who are struggling, how, how frightened are they? And I don't mean your, your, your Cory Booker jokes. I'm talking about your top four or so. How late in the game is it for them? You know, I think we're at the all-star break. If you want to use the, really, it's pretty early. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I'd say I do. I think, I think, I think, I think we're still pretty early. And, and here's why I say that: the the sprint that we're going to see over the next um, let's call it five or six weeks between here and Iowa, um, this is really when this would really be the equivalent of a playoff push in in my mind because um, so much is going to happen, and Iowa is such a funny retail state where people can go and hit and, you know, basically hit the streets. They can canvas. They can get their message out. They're going to run TV. Those numbers in Iowa are going to fluctuate a bunch. I mean, if I think back to all the primaries I've worked in Iowa, the numbers that we're seeing on November 15th very rarely are the same numbers we see on caucus night. So I I tend to think that we're going to see a lot of movement. That's the first thing. And then once Iowa goes – you know, really, you've got the actual playoffs starting, right? So, so the, the the Iowa caucuses will help determine what happens in New Hampshire. Yes, then you've got Nevada, then South Carolina, then these other states, and then California goes pretty early. So, I, I still think it's relatively early, and there's an opportunity for anybody in that top four to break out. Heck, there's an opportunity for even the, the joke candidates, as you say, to make a little bit of a push still. So, th- this is going to get really interesting. I'm overcome with feelings of shame and sadness right now. If this is the all-star break, why in the name of all that is holy and unholy have we been talking about this (laughs) for as long as we have? God save our souls. I'm a baseball fan, and I barely pay attention until after the all-star break, so... I mean, this would be the equivalent of paying attention, like, the week before pitchers and catchers report. Oh, boy. (laughs) Again, shame, shame. You know, I mean, this is how it is. Wow. So, Alani, what's the most interesting political story we haven't asked you about? What's got your... Oh, my God, we've got a minute. We just have a minute. Off the top of your head, what's big? What's on your mind? 
Well, look, I think I think this Bloomberg thing actually. I mean, I, I, I get there's some fatigue around talking about the race, but I think that the the way that people feel about Joe Biden and how down they are on Joe Biden is interesting because this week was really the first time I've seen a sign of life from Joe Biden in terms of how he's attacked Elizabeth Warren. And, and let me tell you, he wrote this piece on Medium. If you haven't read it, go check it out, where he, where he tries to frame Warren as this Harvard professor, this sort of elite, out-of-touch person who is masquerading as a populist. I think that is exactly the right line of attack. Line Hee Chen. watch out carefully for that. Hoover Institution, Stanford University, and crossing lines with Line Hee Chen. Thanks a million. Always great to talk. Thanks. Yeah, I got more on that coming up. Uh, what's in your news, Marsha Phillips? Well, Mayor Pete unveils his trillion-dollar gift pack for the American people, and Elon Musk's next big unveil just around the corner. Ooh, we always Ooh. like an Elon Musk unveil. What is it? Time machine? I hope submarine. it's a time machine. Submarine. A time submarine. <laughs> Are you following the Matthew Perry story? Chandler Bing from Friends? No. A picture came out of him earlier in the week looking pretty rough. Like, really rough. Oh, really? And then, so there was all kinds of speculation that, uh, you know, he's he's had some pretty bad uh, drug problems over the years. Right. If you're a fan of the TV show Friends, there's a couple of seasons in there where he's like 90 pounds. Yeah. And then there was the season where he was in Phoenix or something because he couldn't be on set that much. He, he, Something like that. He hurt his back in a jet skiing accident? Is that what happened? That's how he started down the road of painkillers. Common, ah. common American story. Oh, yeah. He hurt himself in doing a regular thing, started the painkillers, got hooked, and then ended up with a, a full-on drug addict. But anyway, there was a picture of Chandler Bing going around looking kind of rough. And so, Courtney Cox put out a picture today of her and him together, in which he looks pretty good. To try to say, no, look, my friend. But I keep in my mind having trouble straightening out that that is not Chandler and Monica who are in a relationship. (laughs) And she's standing up for her boyfriend, now husband. Right. (laughs) Now they just used to work together. (laughs) Those people were pretend, Jack. (laughs) But I can't keep that straight in my mind for some reason. Let's uh, get the news now with Marshall Phillips. Well, the gifts just keep on coming. South Bend, Indiana, Mayor Pete is unveiling his one trillion dollar economic plan that will include funding for affordable housing, education, and child care. The 2020 Democratic presidential candidate would allot $700 billion to child care, which includes making early learning up to age five free for low-income families. He would also spend $430 billion on affordable housing to give more than 7 million families across the U.S. a home. And additionally, he would uh, provide free tuition for public universities to families who make up to $100,000 annually. So that is his big unveil today. So he's doing the pre-K thing? Is that what that yeah. is? Yeah. yeah, that's that's so popular right now. And it's just it's just government paid for child care right. is what it is. Because there's yeah. no educational need for it whatsoever. No, no. And it's super popular among people say, oh, cool, I get free child care starting at a younger age. Yeah, as the government becomes more and more in charge of every human being in their lives and their learning and their souls and their feeding themselves and the rest of it. It's insidious. So it's this, a horror, and, and a great deal of the population is begging for it. Is this a thing now we're going to just see the uh, Democratic hopefuls that keep unveiling bigger and bigger packages? Here are some more things we can give you. They must feel like they have to. Yeah. 
I guess. I, Pete's on a bit of a roll and has got some momentum. I, yeah. I would have stayed out of the look how much money I'm going to spend game for a while. But well, compared to the other ones, isn't that kind of oh, a, yeah, a, 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 a low yeah, number? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Compared to the other ones, it's not even close. It's a drop in the bucket. He's running in the wrong primary. According to <laughs> oh, yeah. Elizabeth Warren. He'll probably get that from Liz Warren later in the day. Yeah. What sort of fiscal conservative is only spending a trillion dollars? A New York-based company is now accused of selling illegally imported Chinese-made tech surveillance equipment as made in the USA to branches of the American military. Oh, boy. Those sales allowing the Chinese to spy and hack us. Great, Scott. The U.S. attorney. That's nearly treason. The only defense would be, I'm so stupid, I did not realize the significance of that. The U.S. Attorney Richard Donahue says the equipment sold by Aventura Technologies created serious cybersecurity risks. According to the court documents, the company has held multiple contracts with the federal government selling about $21 million of security equipment to the various military factions between 2006 to 2018. All that made in China. Wow. Now, in all, seven of the company's senior executives, including the uh, owner and his wife, were taken into custody. The authorities said the company was in business for more than a decade and made its owners millions by trading on national security for personal profit. Well, it sounds like a nice jail cell is the right place for those folks. Well, we are now hearing from Elon Musk once again. Tesla, it is said, will soon be revealing their latest electric vehicle. Musk says... Submarine. Oh, uh, not quite. Musk says people will finally get to see the Cybertruck in about three weeks in L.A. Oh, there it is. Anybody, up on the screen. Would know. Oh, that's oh. cool. Is that a new Tesla? Ooh. Yeah. I need one of those. A Cybertruck. freaking yep. awesome. Yep. And what's that there on the left? I Go don't on, Marshall. That thing on the lower left, I don't want. But the, that other one, that is super cool. Uh, he said, as you're seeing, it looks like something out of Blade Runner. He also revealed... I the, need one of those immediately. He says the truck will seat six people start around $50,000 and offer up to 500 miles of uh, range, of driving range, That's off cool. a single charge. Great, Scott. I'm going to drive that into the future and take on cyborgs. Yes! Give them what they're coming to them. <laughs> <laughs> hey, one last note. they got a number of TV's top content providers considering ways to crack down on password sharing. Bloomberg is Bro. reporting that Netflix, <laughs> HBO... Netflix. I've never done that, but man, when I was younger, absolutely. I can't imagine how you would not be doing that. Getting together with a bunch of your friends and uh, sharing an account. Uh, Netflix. Wait till your kids have moved out. Hey, Dad, what's the password for what do you call it? (laughs) I'm not giving that to you, son. That would be defrauding a cable provider or something. (laughs) An innkeeper. Right. You will. You'll get my Netflix when you pry it out of my cold dead hand. Twenty year old daughter. Netflix, HBO. Another advantage of staying home. Don't move out. <laughs> Just keep living at home. That ain't happening. They are all discussing ways to keep people from viewing their content without paying for it. They say right now it costs them $6.5 billion a year. Really? Well, yes. that's a problem. Yes. That's a problem. And that number is expected to grow in the next couple of years to $9 billion in losses. I wonder if I'm even going to stay on Netflix. So Disney's streaming service comes out next week? Next week. Yep. And so I know we're going to sign up for that. And if it's good enough, Netflix might uh, go bye-bye. 
I can't just keep adding subscriptions. Oh, I know and it. Not dropping sure, you others. can. It's the American way. <laughs> That's what I have been doing. Yeah, God, it's crazy. Don't you still have HBO? I do. Yeah. I have not watched a show on HBO in. Jeez, I don't know. <laughs> well, they got a lot of good stuff on there. I know they do. Yeah. But I have more other it. people. Right. <laughs> and you got it back in the day to watch Sopranos, right? I still have it because of the Sopranos. Okay. You know, went off that, the air. Series have ended. you seen the yeah. last season? It's very exciting. <laughs> Yeah, Tony's an astronaut now, Jack. <laughs> and little AJ's the president. <laughs> That's your news. I keep meaning to cancel that. I'm Marshall Phillips, the Armstrong and Getty Show, the conscience of the nation. Do we know what the Disney package is going to cost yet? Has anybody uh, said that? Uh, kind of Wasn't in the like same $15 range? $15 or okay. something? Mm-hmm. So I think it's less than that. The, yeah, $5? The, 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 the roughly yes, was Marshall. Marshall. $5 is less than 15 <laughs> Would you like to go on? <laughs> Keep shouting numbers. <laughs> anyway, I'll be signing up for that. My kids are super excited about it. Yeah. Uh, so if you go, uh, if you can do the entire year for seventy bucks, I'm which in. is like a little less than six dollars a month, uh, they will also be doing some bundle packages where you can get Hulu and ESPN Plus all together. Yeah. As Wait well. a minute! But the the Netflix kids shows, which are so flipping strange, I wish I could show them to people who haven't seen them. Yeah. The the Chinese made they lost all their kids shows to all the other networks right. and so they had to come up with these kids shows and they're so flipping weird you can't I mean, it's, it's like something's going wrong with your brain you can't tell what's even happening wow <laughs> wow you know it's funny I uh, Hulu and what was the other one you said might be included or is uh, uh, Hulu and ESPN Norbert's, yes. Norbert's was big so I'm I, making up words there uh, uh, no stop it. I didn't remember that they were associated, which reminds me, we got an email from a listener showing all the companies that Disney owns Mm -hmm. and controls around the world. And it is an astonishing conglomerate. Uh, Maybe we can talk about that in a little while. Mm -hmm. There, There are some who think it's capable of less than nice behavior. Disney? Yeah. You're picturing the mouse... You should probably be picturing a T-Rex. Walt's frozen head controlling the world. I don't think that's true. No. No. That and other stuff on the way on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. gets hotter next week, maybe with televised hearings. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. There, there is some power to things being on video. We've talked about that over the years. There was a particular instance of um, a sports star who had beat up his girlfriend or wife. Remember that one? I don't even remember which player it was. But, but my memory is nobody was doubting that it happened. It just was, you know, well, athletes do that. It's unfortunate, but... And then the video came out. Then it was all of a sudden, this guy can't play in the league. He's got to go. People went crazy. Right. For some reason, oh, you mean beat up his girlfriend. Reading it wasn't the same as seeing the video. Yeah, which is troubling but undeniable. Undeniable. So yeah. I just wonder, is there an aspect to that with impeachment? Transcripts going around. It's not impeachment, Jack. It's just hearings. Okay. Um, uh, if, if, you, if people, one of the things is how many people are going to watch these things? Yeah. How many people are going to sit down and watch to the the undersecretary of the Department of State for something or other uh, drone on about this or that? I don't know. There will be clips on their shows that they like. I just wonder right. if the video of them saying it 
will mean anything different. Of course, that was the theory with the Mueller report. That was the exact theory with the Mueller report. Mm -hmm. Nobody read it. Very damning. Wait till we get him saying it. That's what we need. We need the video of him saying it. Right. And that couldn't have been a bigger swing and a miss. Right. That was right. a giant crash. I think a huge percentage of what you're hearing in the media right now is uh, they're desperately trying to promote, promote a show they want you to watch. We'll see. Uh, well, I'll stand by my prediction. I think it's going to be a big, fat nothing, because I've paid a fair amount of attention to what's happened so far, and these same people who are going to be on video are describing what's already more or less baked in. Trump's obsessed with with Joe Biden, and, and he's got Judy, Julie, Giuliani running around Ukraine. Nobody's quite sure what he's up to and the rest of it. But it's just not president-removing well, stuff. As a big fat nothing, I know when I see one. When oh, I see oh one. boy. How about the whistleblower? <laughs> you following what they've uh, figured out about his attorney, Mr. Zaid? Yeah, 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 I did see that. The month, uh, the month Trump was inaugurated, he was tweeting about there's going to be a coup. We're going to get this guy impeached. And he said, I predict at CNN will play a key role in Donald Trump not finishing out his full term as president. And he made at least 11 appearances on CNN since the start of 2017 when he was promoting a coup and CNN playing a role in it. And CNN had him on all of their big five shows and just touted him as a national security expert. This is the guy who's now the whistleblower's attorney. So listen. All this is a little bit in the weeds, but it was originally portrayed that this guy is a concerned citizen. He saw some stuff that he thought was hinky. He was hearing things that troubled him. He's afraid, so he got himself an attorney, but he's just he's trying to do the right thing. When, As it turns out, these are all activists who've been vowing since Inauguration Day to get him Trump impeached for something, anything. Come on. So, um, that's next week. Uh, This story is getting a lot of attention. It keeps showing up on my TV screen. It's the most popular story on the New York Times website right now. I was the fastest girl in America until I joined Nike. Some super fast uh, female runner joined Nike. They pushed her real hard. Now, I'm sorry, was this a dude who identifies as a woman or is this a woman? woman? Actual woman, but uh, 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 they, they worked her really hard to lose weight. And then her body started breaking down. Not exactly sure why that's such a giant story. That sounds to me like what's is, what is happening in, uh, in high schools and, and colleges all across America. That's kind of what they do with athletes. They, they push you really, really hard and break you down. And then sometimes your career is ended and they go on to the other person who didn't break down. Right. Seems like a lot of what sports is, unfortunately. Well, yeah. There's a lot of sports medicine I've become aware of having lived to a certain age. That's like education and a couple of other fields where people are desperate to be the innovator. They they hate the idea of sticking with what works, the tried and true, because you can't get famous. You can't get rich. You've got to be the innovator. Diets are the same. And, yeah, I could believe they're, they're using up these poor athletes and chucking them out when it turns out, oh, my little theory isn't so good, I guess. Yeah, i got a buddy whose daughter is a competitive athlete. And in high school and in college, man, they burn through people, and they're willing to sacrifice your body oh, yeah. to uh, to see what you can do. And if you can't do it, there's there are people lined up who are, are, are going to try it also. Right. We're just going to push you and push you and push you. Yeah. Uh, the whole you have to specialize as a 12-year-old thing makes me sick. Yeah. It's, uh, oh, it's something. just, yeah. These are games, but it's become you know, a multi-million dollar industry for a lot of people. And, uh, and you got parents with misplaced dreams and the rest of it. So, no, son, you can't play soccer in the fall. You have to play baseball all year round. 
Then he's got Tommy John surgery at age 17. Lovely. I love this story. Another study that says exercise helps your brain. Memory lowers dementia risk. There have been a number of these stories over the last several years. And even if you start your exercising when you're a lot older, Mm -hmm. they didn't used to think there was that kind of connection between exercising and how your brain did. But uh, that's what they seem to believe now. Got to keep that in mind when I'm not exercising. That it's not just for look a little better. These pants fit a little better. Right. Heart health. Right. Keeping my brain from uh, going south on me. I really do need my brain. hundred good reasons. Um, and I tell you what, one of the worst things around, I think, is the those experts who say just forty five minutes of strenuous exercise five days a week, and people think I can't do that. I'm not going to do that. That's too big a hill to climb. Ironically, you climb that hill, you'd be in better shape. Um, but no, just just take a take a walk at a good pace, twenty minutes a day if you can, or twenty minutes twice a week. Well, anything's better than nothing. Yes. So start there. Right. And then add a little bit. I've been uh, uh, BMX biking with my son. Oh, fun. Take I, off any sweet jumps? Uh, I don't get any air. I go over a jump, but I just kind of go up and then down the other side. Gotcha. Uh, I just, I Sometimes don't... he breaks wind, but he doesn't get air. <laughs> I am riding brakeless like a boss. Really? Which, uh, somebody t- tweeted that ass last year. I had <laughs> tweeted out a picture of my bike, and he said, cool, you're riding brakeless like a boss. <laughs> I don't know what that means. No brakes. A lot of BMX bikes, the cool thing is to not have any brakes. Oh, you just got to shove your feet on the ground Flintstone style? Um, There's a couple of cool ways to do it. There's a way to flip your foot behind you, and you rub your 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 shoe on the tire. Ah, yes, yes, That's yes. That's one way. Um, I usually just crash into things. <laughs> That's, that'll stop you. I, or actually, I ride off into the dirt and the weeds. Don't <laughs> <slow> me down. <laughs> I would be terrified without but, brakes. Uh, but I told my son, I said, you got to remind me every time I get on this bike, every time I get on, remind me, Dad, no brakes. Because otherwise, I, I've got a mountain bike that I ride around, too, and I'll forget, right. I think. You know, and I, I can't be riding around towards something and realize, <sighs> oh, that's right, this is the bike with no brakes. Well, you can. <laughs> Oh, boy. I'm riding brakeless like a boss. You don't have to worry about dementia if you crack your skull and your brain falls out. I'm trying to learn how to do bunny hops, which is cool. My son can do it. You have to uh, pull up on the handlebars and push down with your feet, and you get the whole bike to hop up in the air to jump over things. Oh, yeah, I've seen guys doing that. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's harder than it looks. I mean, wow. some guys can really jump up high, like they jump up on this table. I really respect your uh, your efforts at the youthfulness. you got little kids. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's a fun thing to do together. Sounds like a good core workout. I, oh, yeah. Man, that's that's the main reason I bought this bike. Yeah, getting back to the exercises, I thought, you know, if I do this a little bit, because it is, it wears you out. You stand the whole time. There's no sitting on a BMX bike. So with your legs and your arms and everything else, I mean, it's a good it's a good workout. Mm. See, that's the difference. Your kids are young. You're doing that. My kids are grown, even though we're the same age. And so I'm just pretty much dedicated to playing golf and saying, what's wrong with young people? <laughs> that's how I stay fit. Look, I stay fit by saying, look what the millennials are ruining. Right. <laughs> Joe's favorite exercise is fish shaking at the youth. Well, my cardio is... <laughs> Get a job! <laughs> Get a job! Get a... And I can, you know, I do that for half an hour. It's cleansing. It's it's good for me. It, 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 it gets the blood flow. Hmm. I wonder to what extent that's the key to getting people to exercise, including myself, a little bit more, is finding things that you enjoy, that, are, that are fun. Whether it's, you know, whatever Oh, that's huge. That's huge. Because a lot of it is just, it's not, it doesn't sound like any fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And or, the only way I can really exercise much is if my mind is occupied elsewhere. 
I despise the mental part of exercising because I just what am, what am I doing? What am I looking at? What am I listening? What am I thinking about? All I can think about is these damn weights or whatever. Or every step I'm taking running. Right, which is why I do my exercising while watching the news, which I have to do anyway. So. Which is a g- great gift. If you've got that gift where, oh, yeah, I go for a run and it just clears my mind and I relax. And I have never had a step of running where I felt like that. No, all I can think of is when is this over? <laughs> <laughs> this yeah. is awful. Yeah. Well, anyway. my moves are really shaking up and down as oh, I jog down this boy. sidewalk. Oh, golly, you get uh, you got to get one of them uh, runners bras. They sell them at the better stores for dudes. Do they have dude runner bras? Well, I'd say uh, my tight? wife's uh, a little beefy. She's got a big frame. She's the uh, same size as me. What size is that? <laughs> That's what I'd say. If my you? wife were the same size as me, what for size instance. bra? Yeah, just for instance, throwing it out I, there. I need one of those. Well, two of them. <laughs> Fantastic. 